Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Other Identity, your one-stop shop for everything you need to know, comic books and superhero. I am, of course, one of your hosts, the great Landis, a.k.a. Robbie Landis, and along with me, as always, my co-host, Professor Awesome, Ben Morris. Ben, how's it going, man? It's going great. Thank you. Uh, one-stop shop for comics and superheroes. I like that. It's taken us uh, quite a few episodes, but I think we're finally starting to get our branding down. That's nice. <laughs> this podcast is an oasis for me in the midst of all the tumult that's going on in the world, and I hope it is for you as well, Robbie. And I hope all of you listening, I hope this is a half hour to 45 minutes of your week that takes you away from stuff that's going wrong and reminds you of everything that's going right. Speaking of uh, something that went kind of right, <laughs> uh, so Kevin, uh, who joined us what's a few... His, what's uh, his code name again? Uh, the Opinion, that, which that, has never been more yeah, evident than very now. Very apt. Very apt. <laughs> he, uh, he did an article for us, and he's been doing a few articles here and there uh, uh, every week, sort of in conjunction with the show. And uh, a few episodes ago, of course, we talked about... Um, X-Men the Animated Series. We had the creators, uh, Eric and Julia, on to talk with us. Mm -hmm. And so he did his own article sort of reviewing and giving his take on the animated series, which he did not grow up with and yes. basically only just started watching. Important to, to know that Kevin is, Kevin is much younger than us, much younger mm -hmm. than me, a little bit younger than you. See, <laughs> you like how I went there? Yeah, um, uh -huh. And he had a fresh perspective on this as he was probably not alive, definitely not alive, when the show came <laughs> out. So uh, he was able to – when you and I watch X-Men the Animated Series or talk to Eric and Julia, there's a heavy nostalgia for you know stuff we watched when we were younger. For Kevin, he was able to view it through the lens of someone who had never seen it before. And, and what he came back with uh, I thought was very interesting. To, to his credit, he was pretty even-handed yeah. with his assessment. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you'd like to read that, of course, head on over to CheckpointXP.com and then go to Twitter and give Kevin what for. Please. Um, yeah. uh, some of the other news, uh, actually, that you wanted to touch on here. We actually lost two uh, comic legends uh, this past month. Ben? Yes, I did want to talk briefly. Uh, on the day we recorded this, uh, we lost Joe Sinnott who was a legendary inker, worked primarily for Marvel. I would think he's, his signature work was he inked over Jack Kirby on a lot of Jack's Fantastic Four run, but he was an incredible artist across the board. He was, uh, I, I, I was looking into his legacy today and found a great Stan Lee quote that basically Joe was the, the gold standard. If you're an artist, you wanted to work with Joe, it meant you had made it. And was actually inking the Amazing Spider-Man newspaper strip right up until last year. And then oh. retired. So very, uh, very sad, but legendary figure. And the other guy I wanted to touch on who we didn't talk about, even though he passed a few weeks ago, was Denny O'Neill. Um, an amazing body of work, but primarily, you know what? I don't even feel comfortable saying primarily known because he did so much. But I kind of hang my hat when it comes to Denny O'Neill on the fact that he wrote and edited Batman for decades and basically shepherded Batman from the Adam West 1960s version to the version we're all familiar with. If you like Batman and you've read him in the past 40 to 50 years, enjoyed an animated series, movies, anything, a lot of that is due to the influence of Denny O'Neill. And that's not all he did. He, uh, he wrote incredibly socially relevant stories with Green Lantern, Green Arrow in the 70s. He had an amazing run on The Question, which I loved with uh, Dennis Cowan. Just 
I could spend, we could do a whole episode talking about the things that Denny O'Neill contributed to the comic book industry, but both Denny and Joe, uh, we wish our best to their friends and family, and we remember them today. Yes, and of course, uh, Twitter was alight with people paying their respects as far as artists, writers, and fans alike. So the other thing that I want to touch on here, too, before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode, which is going to feature one of your favorite favorite segments, Ben, the news bag. Love the news or the, bag. Or the news hole. I don't know if we ever actually oh, specifically God. No, 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 not the news hole. Why? Why? Why would you do that? I'm just coming around on news bag. I didn't like news bag originally, and now just because I'm used to it. You know, as mm-hmm. is the way with most things, I'm fine with it. Uh, don't change it to something <laughs> dramatically worse. God. Uh, what I'd like to talk about, though, is obviously, you know, uh, what we've been reading recently. And uh, I actually read this a few weeks ago, but didn't get a chance last week to talk about it. But I really, really wanted to because I was so impressed with it, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I finally got to read Jessica Jones by Kelly Thompson, both Blindside and uh, Purple Daughter. And, I mean... Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've, I've read a bunch of her stuff now uh, uh, up to this point, but something that really stood out to me about the way that she writes Jessica Jones is uh, obviously my first experience with Jessica Jones was a Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that uh, 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 Brian Michael Bendis, he was the one who, who created uh, Jessica Jones. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's a Brian Michael Bendis and I believe Michael mm-hmm. Gatos creation. Right, and uh, they had actually uh, passed it off to her, and, and, and I believe it was in the second issue, Kelly actually does like a handwritten note yep. to uh, uh, the original creative team, and first of all, being able to read that like in, in the middle of the issue like that was, you could really tell the passion that she feels for this character like, like comes through in there, and I, you know, I just wanted to be able to take the time to say that... I feel like, well, first of all, I think that both Blindside and the Netflix series came out about the same time, but I have never seen a character get nailed down so precisely from what I, you know, envision that character being. But more so than that, there are very few comic arcs that I have read or experienced that really stick with me. Uh, In fact, I can probably count them on one hand. Uh, uh, the foremost being uh, the death of Spider-Man from the Ultimate Universe. But the way that Kelly Thompson handles Jessica Jones and her world is right up there with it, easily in my top five. And I think one of the important aspects of that, and, and gosh, Kelly does this so, so, so well, when most comics I don't think are able to do this at all, but the way that she rotates in other Marvel characters as supporting cast members makes her world feel more alive than anything else that I've written or read. Sorry, that I've written. I might definitely, definitely more than anything I've you've written. written. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I cracked into this uh, yesterday at your behest because I knew we were going to talk about it today. And I am a little bit into uh, the first arc, Blind Spot, now, and I am thoroughly enjoying it. I'm going to definitely tear through all of this over the next couple days. Um, I was a fan of Jessica Jones under Bendis and I think what impresses, I mean you, you, you pretty much said it all, but the couple notes that I will make is it's impressive to me when someone like Kelly can come onto a character who literally has had one voice defining the character her entire existence because she's been to this point primarily written by Bendis. I mean, she's mm-hmm. shown up in other books, but more or less it was all Bendis. So that Kelly could step in and get the voice so perfectly is is, is phenomenally impressive. And I also wanted to uh, make sure we, we also praise the art 
on this book. Which oh, is by, absolutely. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's by Mattia de Luis. Luis I'm probably mispronouncing the name. Luis. Um, I'm, I have never experienced work by this artist before, but wow, it's like so, it's clean, it's beautiful, it's uh, immaculately colored, and it's a great package start to finish. So if you haven't checked out Jessica Jones, it's available on Marvel Unlimited as Jessica Jones Marvel Digital Original. I guess this originally came out as digital, but if you're a Kelly Thompson fan, if you're a Jessica Jones fan, highly recommend it. Yeah, uh, the one last thing that I want to add uh, to the to Kelly Thompson to her run as Jessica Jones is, you know, as I read comics, I tweet out about them all the time, and even now till this day, you know, two weeks on, I still have that tweet popping back up, you know, in my notifications of some random person coming in and being like, Kelly, are you going to write more Jessica Jones? Are you going to write more Jessica Jones soon? And Marvel, if you're listening, I, I <laughs> hope you are. That'd be really cool. If you are, Kelly Thompson needs to write more Jessica Jones. Absolutely. Coming up next here on The Other Identity, we are going to dip into the news portal. Oh, How do we like the news portal? Just no, stop. not that either. Anyway, coming up next, the latest news headlines from the world of comic books and superheroes. Why can't you leave well enough alone? Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college, esports, and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team, or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships, and we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus. Hey, what's up? I'm Robbie from Checkpoint XP. And I'm Jake from the Overwatch League casting team. And together, we're your hosts of the Owl's Nest. With the Overwatch League up and running again, we'll be bringing you all the latest from the League and within Overwatch. But it's important that we all do our part to flatten the curve by staying home during the COVID-19 outbreak. So stay home. Stay healthy. And we'll see you every Friday night on the Owl's Nest before the Overwatch League weekend. Check it out at the Checkpoint XP YouTube channel or at CheckpointXP.com. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already, please, please make sure you're following us on social media. That is Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter, Robbie underscore Landis, CP on Twitter for myself, and Ben J M O R S E on Twitter for Ben. Uh, we are posting constantly every day, sometimes by the hour, mm. on what we're reading and various things going on in the comic book and superhero world, and we would love your feedback. So uh, we're going to dip into uh, some of the headlines that have been uh, coming out over the past uh, past month or so. I think it's been about a month since we did the last episode where we did this. Yeah. Uh, and the first one here, this this is a doozy. Oh I, my god, I still, out the gate. Yeah. I, I still can't believe that uh, that this was something that, that he admitted to, that, that, that he allowed to be out there into the ether so it could be printed. But Zack Snyder confirms that the dead Robin costume that we see in the Snyderverse, belonged to not 
the Robin that was actually killed by the Joker in canon, who would have made perfect sense for that to be, but instead is Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Nightwing. Well, apparently he never got to be Nightwing in the Snyderverse. Yeah, because we can't have nice things in the Snyderverse. That's kind of the <laughs> uh, the lesson of this. Just, I mean, I, I expressed this to you the other day when we talked about it, but to me, this was totally unnecessary for him to confirm that Dick Grayson was dead in the uh, DC Extended Universe. What uh, does he gain from Yeah, exactly. It? What, other than getting people talking again, which seems to be something that Zack Snyder loves to do, like... And lose him more credit, by the way. lose him more credit. And no one heard this and goes, oh, that's such a, that's such a unique take. No, it just, feels, it just feels like it's something done for shock value. Dick Grayson is such a great character. If you're building a DC Extended Universe, how can there not be room for Dick Grayson? He's one of the best characters in the history of comics. They so just say, like, yeah, we killed him, and we didn't even show it on camera. We have a costume. Come on, man. It's ridiculous. But more than that, it's just like no one was clamoring to know this. He could have just left it alone and people could draw their own conclusions. But Zack Snyder just can't help but keep poking that bear that is comic book fandom. And it was immensely frustrating. Maybe the plan was that eventually Jason Todd would go on to become Nightwing. Sure, why not? Maybe that's the true Nightwing. That's the Nightwing we've needed all along. Oh my god! I, it's it's again the, the word for this is unnecessary. It didn't <laughs> need to happen. It's not even. It, I can I can tell you why I disagree with it as a call, but I shouldn't even have to because this shouldn't even have happened. All right, moving on to the next one. This is some of the better news that we've gotten in the past few months. Sony uh, during their big PlayStation Five reveal event. Uh, un, er, uh, uh, revealed <laughs> during the reveal event. I'm using a lot of the same words here. It's fair. Uh, the next Spider-Man game for the PlayStation 5 would be centered around Miles Morales, which I think this is so amazing. First of all, Miles is a character that absolutely deserves more time in the spotlight. If if uh, if the Ultimate Spider-Verse, or the Ultimate Spider-Verse, I'd mix those two. If the Ultimate Timeline and Into the Spider-Verse movies haven't already proven it to you, uh, you know, when, when this was first revealed, a lot of people were worried or concerned that this was just a spinoff or it was mm -hmm. just a DLC or an expansion pack onto the PS4 version of the game. But Sony has said that this will be its own fully standalone developed game that is 100% centered on Miles and his story. Yeah, I, I love this news. I love Miles Morales. Uh, he was created during the time I worked at Marvel, so I feel a special attachment to the character. Um, but he's such a wonderful character, regardless of color. Throw the color stuff out the window. Throw the fact that he has that black Latino heritage out the window. Um, and just, he's a great character. Then, bring all that stuff back in the window, because it's important. It's great that we have a character representing people who have been criminally underrepresented in comics, and the fact that we're getting a video game out of this character is fantastic. The movie was awesome. I just recently watched it for the first time. I don't even know if we've talked about that on the show. Um, but I love Into the Spider-Verse. And the stuff that's being done with Miles, the uh, the advancement, and just the idea that we have another story. Now, you know what I really love, Robbie, is that the promotion of Miles, be it through movies, comics, video games, in no way diminishes Peter Parker, right? Mm -hmm. Peter Parker fans do not lose anything by Miles also getting to be this great voice and figure. Um, if I... <sighs> 
I just realized something. Yeah. Miles and Peter is what Flash and Wally Flash should be. Wally and Barry should I know. be. It yes. is what they should wow. be. Oh, thank you. But <laughs> that's exactly what they should be. They, they should be able to be on equal footing, but they do it so well. I don't. I can't think of a character where this is done better than on Spider-Man right now. And I have not played the uh, the original PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game because I do not have a PlayStation and because I have a three-year-old. But I, uh, I, will, I will say on the air right now that when Robbie and I discussed this yesterday, he said when he gets his PlayStation 5, he is going to send me... You, this is being recorded. Rick, do not cut this out. Uh, he is going to send me his PlayStation 4 with Spider-Man so I can play Spider-Man and then eventually... And it reminds me much of when I was a kid, Robbie. You just had to get this on recording somewhere. Well, it wasn't of, enough that I just told you. It reminds <laughs> me much of when I was a kid and I uh, I always was one step behind on video game systems. And my best friend, shout out to Matt Corley, whenever he would get a new video game system, would give me his old one. So I was playing like Nintendo 64 when everyone else had moved on to the next platform. <laughs> so I'm happy to continue that tradition of being yeah. one step behind in the gaming world. Yeah, looking forward to that too. Yep, uh, you'll have to, to pay shipping and handling. I was going to say, you, you, you get, <laughs> get that postage ready. Up next on our list here, uh, this I thought was interesting. Now, now I haven't dove into this, so I don't know the, the the specifics on it. But I am always so excited to see the lantern side of uh, DC's mythos explored more. But DC has introduced in the Legion of Superheroes a gold lantern. Yeah, I saw like, basically the imagery of this. I'm a couple issues behind on Brian Bendis's Legion of Superheroes. I liked what he's been doing so far. Uh, Legion is a title that I've liked since I was a kid, but I know it's a it's a tough nut to crack because there's about 800 characters and there's just a lot going on. But Bendis seems to be doing a great job with it. Seems to be something he really likes and. Gold Lantern? Uh, you and I are both in the midst, or I guess I'm in the midst. You've finished recently reading Blackest Night. So mm-hmm. the idea of all these different colored lanterns is one that's a lot of fun. It's so, it's just so fun because for decades there were just green lanterns. And then Jeff Johns came along and said, you know, it would be really neat if we had lanterns of every color. And mm-hmm. people are like, no, that sounds ridiculous. No, wait, it's going to be really awesome. So I'm all for bringing in more colored lanterns. Um, Gold Lantern looks really cool from the artwork I've seen. And oh, yeah. the Legion having their own lantern character ties them back more to the DC universe. Because that's the thing about Legion is they can get a little lost being off in the future and not having those direct connections. They've already got John Kent in the book, which is great. Now they have a Lantern character. It brings them closer together, but still allows them to tell their own story. I think this is a win all around. Yep, I agree. And it's actually uh, probably going to be the reason that I end up picking up Legion of Superheroes. There you go. uh, uh, To take a look at it, because I am very interested in what it is that makes the Gold Lantern Mm -hmm. uh, so special. Uh, Something else cool that's coming out, and um, we'll see how this ends up, uh, what it ends up bringing to DC Universe. Um, You know, when DC Universe first came out, I was pretty rough on it Mm -hmm. um you know at the time uh the only real draw besides the comics that they had was the titan show which i have varying opinions on um but some new projects they just announced in partnership with spotify is they are going to be creating scripted podcasting content um which is to say you know not like what we do here where we get on we just we just have discussions about topics 
This is not right. scripted. Just uh, that, that'll actually be like uh, like like radio dramas. I guess is 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 what it makes me uh, think of. Um, I'm not sure how much more that's going to move the needle for DC Universe in general. Uh, ben, what are your thoughts on it? The tricky thing about podcasts, and I say this as someone who I teach a podcasting class at UNLV. Uh, if anyone's looking to learn more about podcasting, um, but the thing about podcasting is. It's a great platform for people to get their voices out on. Historically, not necessarily the easiest platform to monetize. And the mm -hmm. reason for that is because there are so many great podcasts that are available for free. So it's kind of tough. I know some companies in the past have tried to create this, you know, really... They've used the traditional model of creating really elite material and thinking, okay, well, we'll put this behind a paywall, uh, the same as cable television or anything like that. And it just... It's never really translated. So that's the one thing when you start talking about, like, is this going to move the needle for DC Universe? I don't think so. Um, dollars and cents, this is not going to be a huge draw. Will it be a cool little thing? Yes, absolutely. Marvel has been doing scripted podcasts for a little while now. They're, po they're partnered with Stitcher, so it makes sense that Spotify would partner with DC. Um, I heard about Marvel doing the Stitcher podcasts, like, a couple years ago at this point, and when I said this to you the other day, you didn't even know that they were doing them, which I <laughs> yeah. think is pretty indicative of what kind uh -huh. of impact they've made, um, whether they're good or bad. So am I convinced that DC is going to revolutionize the podcast game? No, not particularly. Do I think it'll be a fun little project that I might listen to? Yeah, it'll be a nice way to uh, to spend an afternoon listening to you know a version of Blackest Night done by voice actors or something like that, but it's, it's not... It's not groundbreaking, I don't think. That's, see, that's what I think I'm most excited for, is depending on who they have doing some of this content. Sure. Uh, they get some of the big known names uh, you know, from the voice acting space. That would probably rope me in. But otherwise, uh, my plate is already so full consuming and creating content. Yep. Last on our list here, and probably one of the bigger news items, is that San Diego Comic-Con, of course, uh, canceled because of the COVID-19 pandemic, is going online, much yes. like a lot of uh, conventions are choosing to do. Um. I'm not really sure what to expect out of this. Uh, I've never been to a San Diego Comic-Con myself. Uh, so I normally just, you know, consume the news after the fact, after it all comes out. So, you know, knowing that now, uh, you know, whether it's panels that they're going to try and do, you know, remotely or, you know, whether it is, you know, the big Marvel showcases that they might just put on a, on a live stream now. I'm really looking forward to be able to being able to experience some of this stuff, you know, at the same time that the rest of the world is. Yeah. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con has a special place in my heart. I went out there in 2004 having freshly graduated college and wanting to get a job in comic books. And basically I spent the entire San Diego Comic-Con being blown away by the experience of Comic-Con and then also meeting a lot of the people who would help me to create a career in comics. I went to a bunch of Comic-Cons when I was working at Marvel. I haven't been in a few years, but I applaud this effort to try to bring some semblance of Comic-Con to people digitally, remotely. And, uh... The people who organize Comic-Con have typically done a very good job. They're the best in the business for a reason. So I'm fairly confident that they will produce something that's going to be enjoyable for everyone. And I'm actually really excited, Robbie, for people like you who have never gotten to go to Comic-Con to 
even though this isn't going to be exactly the same as being there live, it's going to give you some approximation of what's so cool about it. And then hopefully, once everything dies down and everything's back to normal, that'll encourage even more people to make the trip to San Diego for this once-in-a-lifetime experience. Couldn't agree more. We have one more big piece of news coming up, but it's so big, it gets its own segment coming up here on The Other Identity. So stay with us. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Hey, what's up? It's James. And Robbie. Hey, and it's Weird Beard. And we're bringing you a brand new radio show called Checkpoint XP. You don't have to be an expert, even though I am. And we're here to give you everything you need to know about the world of video games. Interviews from the biggest professionals and your everyday gamers. We've got you covered at Checkpoint XP. Whether you're a professional player or somebody who hasn't played in a while, we have something for everybody. Hang out with us at Checkpoint XP every single week on your radio. Find out where we're playing in your hometown at our website, CheckpointXP.com. So if you're looking to have some fun and talk about video games, we got the rundowns for things that matter to you. Checkpoint XP. Your home for esports and gaming. Got it that time. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. For the latest in Overwatch League action, check out the Owl's Nest with me, Robbie Landis, and my co-host, Jake Lyon. For new episodes every Friday at CheckpointXP.com or download from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Other Identity. If you like what you hear here, make sure here, 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 make sure here. you head on over to CheckpointXP.com. There is a wealth of other content over there that you'd probably like as well, from video content to written content from myself, uh, as well as all the others uh, over there involved with Checkpoint XP. Uh, so the final bit of news here, which has um, shaken up... We'll say the DC fandom uh, for better and for worse, depending on who you are. Uh, there is news now, rumors still, nothing has solidified that Michael Keaton is going to be the next Batman, and that specifically, yes, that specifically <laughs> he's going to be replacing Ben Affleck's Batman. So I know this isn't all locked down yet, but I asked the same question that I asked you when you posed this to me yesterday. This means Robert Pattinson's Batman is still going forward, but that's going to be a separate Batman from the Batman <sighs> in the Justice yes. League movies. This yep. is presumably in the Flash movie. So there's going to be two simultaneous Batman Batmen on the silver screen. That's that's what we're thinking. Yeah. So so Robert Pattinson is apparently his his Batman trilogy, I think that they're planning, is taking place in the dark universe, which I didn't realize they were making another I universe. I didn't even know that and, was a thing. Yeah, and, and Michael Keaton's Batman uh, will make his debut in Flash, which is Flashpoint. Mm -hmm. Now, some people are going, oh, well, then obviously he's he's, he's going to be Thomas, Thomas Wayne. Wayne, yeah. which originally, uh, uh, prior to this rumor coming out, it was uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was rumored to be in that role. Of course he was. Been that would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. He would have died, though. 
He, yeah, di- he dies I mean. in everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, still alive in The Walking Dead. Um, but, uh, and, uh, but yeah, now, now the rumors are that he's going to be Ben Affleck's Batman in Flashpoint, um, so I, I, I don't, I don't know. So basically, what DC they're bringing in a actor who is historically famous for having already played a version of Batman is going to play another version of Batman originated by another actor, and it's going to be distinct from the version of Batman coming out in his solo movie at the same time. Bravo, DC, yeah, for yeah. making for taking an already complicated situation and making it impossibly complicated. Listen. There's a reason why every few years DC Comics has to do a reboot of their continuity. It's because it's so freaking confusing and hard for anyone to make sense of. The last thing they need is to do the same thing in a movie universe that has been plagued by problems that seems to finally be getting on the right track with movies like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. Finally, and, and, and even Birds of Prey. But finally... Things are going well. It's almost like, well, we, we, we can't have nice things. We need to do something about it. Yeah, I'm looking for the inevitable statement from an executive after both the Flashpoint Batman and Robert Pattinson's Batman bombs and them saying, well, you know, uh, we, we're just not sure how to tell a, a compelling right. Batman story. He's just he's just a very hard character to write for. No one, uh, you know, no one uh, uh, gets where he's coming from. Yeah, there's yeah, not there's the no, problem. There's not nearly a century of good Batman stories across all multimedia that uh, give you some sort of template on what to do. You said something to me the other day which I thought made a lot of sense was I just want DC to say all their movies are standalone. Like stop trying to build this universe. Just say all your movies are standalone. Make the best Superman movie you can make. Make the best Batman movie you can make. Make the best Flash movie you can make. If you succeed in that, if you basically, uh, if you basically succeed in level one, we'll call it, then you can (laughs) move on to level two, which is bringing them all together and figure out your storytelling mechanism later but just give me good movies. Stop giving me headaches. Yeah, uh, I don't know that that's anything that we can uh, put any hope behind because mm-hmm. they just seem so convinced with catching up to Marvel, not right. realizing they're putting themselves even further behind. But that's going to be all the time we have today for The Other Identity. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and we'll see you back here next week. Same Other Identity time, same Other Identity channel. Safe out there.